You are listening to Redefining Disability, an adaptive sports podcast brought to you by Move United. I am your host, Sean Butcher, and I have the privilege of serving as the editor of Move United Magazine, the nation's leading adaptive sports publication. Each week, tune in to hear how sports have made it possible for our nation's adaptive athletes, training tips from the best coaches and program leaders, and news on the latest technology, equipment, and trends in the industry. Retired U.S. Army Private First Class Orlando Perez became paralyzed as a result of a training accident. One of the first adaptive sports he fell in love with was wheelchair basketball, and he had the opportunity to play for the Puerto Rican team at the international stage. Then he discovered alpine skiing and turned his attention to compete in this sport at the elite level, training with the National Ability Center, a Move United member organization based in Utah. Orlando made history last month when he became the first athlete to represent Puerto Rico at a Winter Paralympic Games. Orlando, it's great to have you uh, on our podcast. Hey, how are you? I'm doing good. Thanks for having me. So I thought uh, we'll, we'll get into, obviously, the, the Paralympics a little bit uh, later in our conversation. I thought I would just start by asking you uh, a little bit about your, your uh, background and experience uh, in Puerto Rico. Um, I was born and raised in Puerto Rico, uh, 1975, and um, when I grew up there, and a little bit, a couple of times I came to the States, that's how I learned my English, um, a year at a time, and then uh, when I was 19 years old, I joined the military, and there goes my start, my military career. <laughs> <laughs> and so growing up in, in Puerto Rico, uh, well, first, how... What 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 brought you to the U.S. once or once a year or so? Um, my uh, my mom, my uncle was in the military. He's a Navy guy. So every time my uh, my uncle and my aunt will find some nice place like Michigan and stuff like that, that thought my mom would find a good job and um, you know, have a good time with. We kind of ended up migrating to where they are. They were for a year or two and and stuff like that. And then going back home to Puerto Rico. Okay. So you got to go back and forth, basically, between uh, Puerto Rico and, and stateside uh, U.S., huh? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, and growing up, did you were you active in sports and recreation? Yeah, I used to play soccer. Um, soccer was my main sport. And uh, my grandfather, he was a military man. And a lot of my military uh, aspirations came from his stories and stuff like that. And then, of course, sports like um i used to play soccer and even though even the first the last night that i knew i was going to get my surgery that they said you will probably not walk after this surgery that was the last thing i did i played soccer until like two o'clock in the morning oh wow (laughs) we'll have to unpack that a little bit more (laughs) Uh, as we as we chat wow uh and and so what was it about soccer as a kid What, what did you like about the sport um, my sister started playing at first and I remember just to go watch her play and I was having so much fun learning from the game and meeting the kids that were playing the game, but I wasn't, I was just more like an expectator, but in their breaks, I would go play and do stuff. So I just wanted to be part of the group and that kind of called my attention. Um, plus I love soccer. I think it's <laughs> the greatest sport ever invented. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I know that uh, you know it's fun to watch and fun to play. Then, huh? <laughs> yeah. 
I've, I've watched it. I've never actually played it. So, um, and, uh, and so obviously you had a grandfather and you said you had an uncle that served in the, in the U S military. And so that was part of the reason why you wanted to sign up. Yes. It caught my attention and I love the lifestyle. I love the, their pride of serving their country and how much they talked about it, how much pride everybody in the family gave them, you know, how much respect they gave them. And I thought it would be a good, a good thing because like, you know, like a young, young kid growing up, I didn't have much aspiration of much stuff, what I wanted to do when I grew up. And uh, I started getting myself in a little trouble. So I thought, you know, joining the military and, and I was, I just got married with a kid. Um, so I thought military would have been the best choice for me to go in the correct path. Yeah, the military definitely is is uh, for for many, including myself, a, a little bit. One, one providing some good guidance and some good um, uh, discipline, and you learn a lot, obviously, by by joining the military. And did you want to join the army right away, or were you, did you look at other branches at that time? Uh, I wanted army. I knew for a fact uh, it was whether army or marines, but I knew marines was kind of tougher. <laughs> in certain things so i thought then the army would probably best fit fit for me but and, yeah and so when you when you signed up and, and, and enlisted did you um uh, how how did you end up in your military occupation what how did you choose your mos um basically the mos chose me because of my ASVAT score and i had like no advice or anything around me when i went and did it i just went and did it on my own so I got um, administration personnel specialists, so PAC personnel. Uh, right after the, my training, uh, I was gonna get ready to go to my first unit when I fell and I hit my spinal cord. And um, uh, it was a rappelling wall mm -hmm. and I had a fall. Um, the rapsack hit my spinal cord. Mm. So the spinal cord, something weird happened, like a cyst became a tumor rapidly grown like it was like so like a freak accident and um yeah and then that ended my military career it was basically really fast like i didn't even get to get to my first station when i got hurt and then spent almost a year in medical hall company waiting to get retired so i got retired by 1996 and and i was going to ask because i knew that you had um that that accident that fall early on was it in basic training or an AI or a, or an AIT training or some or another type of training? I, I just had finished my AIT. Okay. So I was already on my first movement to get to um, Germany, which would be my first um, duty station. Mm -hmm. But they, in my physicals, we kind of started noticing my, I was limping a little bit with my right leg and I was dragging a lot and having like some weird, stumbles i would fall so then they they found that i had a neurological problem and then when they looked they found a tumor with a spinal tap they found a tumor in my spinal cord and you said it was during like a repelling exercise were you free falling or going down a a wall or a, a rock face? yeah he is rap, rappelling down the grabbing a, a, a rope using your legs against the, the wall uh -huh. i just lost grip yeah and and um, and do you know, remember how tall that wall was, or how fall how tall the fall was from? No, it wasn't that much of a big wall. Uh, fall, I would say, six 
six feet. It was one of those you jump really quick, do your thing really fast and move on. Kind of a training exercise. Uh, but it wasn't that much of, I think it was more of the impact with the rucksack hitting my spine. Yeah, so that definitely was, I was going to say, that was definitely the key then. If it wasn't a a, a large distance, it was just the, the pack was in the right or wrong place, I guess, at the, mm-hmm. at the time. Yeah. And, and so... Was the, the did you become like paralyzed immediately, or did was it the tumor that kind of caused the the paralyzation? No, the the tumor started affecting my legs, where I was like, like I said it again, stumbling and dragging my foot. Um, you could see it a lot on the on the on the front part of my shoe how I was wearing out one side more than the other. And when we found that out, uh, the doctor decided that I needed to get surgery really fast because. It was growing so fast that they could save me walking a little bit, but it wouldn't be the same as before. So when I had my surgery, I was able to walk with a cane hmm. uh, using an AFO because I had the foot drop. Mm-hmm. But um, eventually, with the time, the 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 uh, the scar tissue inside my spinal cord grew so much that then it completely made me paraplegic. So, uh, yeah, it, for years I would just walk with a cane and, and stuff, but it was little by little, I started like having to sit more, having to sit more. To, so eventually, now. yeah, a regression mm-hmm. set mm-hmm. in. And, and so you said it took about a year to get, to go through the process of obviously the medical retirement, right? Yes. And, and, and during that year, were you, Act, uh, were you like rehabbing and, and doing physical therapy? When did you kind of in- get introduced? I guess my question is how and when did you get introduced to adaptive sports? Uh, adaptive sports, it kind of, I, I got moved from Fort Jackson, South Carolina, when I when they found my tumor. I got moved to Augusta, Georgia. And in Augusta, Georgia, I can remember right after my surgery, they have had or were having the the Paralympic Games mm. in Atlanta. So right. I got I got my rec therapist would walk in every so often and tell me about the Paralympics, what was going on, and what what they were. But I still didn't understand it. Like for me, I couldn't really visualize it. But uh, they would come and give me all these puzzles and all these little things to make with my hands to get myself distracted and everything. And I think that's my, my first interaction with it. Uh, eventually moving to Puerto Rico and finding the national veterans wheelchair games were going to be held there in 99. Wow. So that's when I really got involved in adaptive recreation. It took that 96 to 99 time for me to actually get involved with it because I actually understood what it was by the games were going to be in Puerto Rico. They were offering clinics where we could go and, and check out how, how to play wheelchair basketball, how to do wheelchair softball, how to do track, how to do all the different events. And that's when I find wheelchair basketball for the first time getting ready for those games. Okay. I didn't realize the games were there. That's pretty cool that I came to, to your home home, mm-hmm. home area. That's awesome. And because I knew I, I definitely wanted to talk about wheelchair basketball because I know that that was one of your 
I guess I should say your first love in the, in a, in mm -hmm. the adaptive sports. So uh, how did you, out of all the sports that you tried, wheelchair basketball was the one that caught on at that time? Yeah, uh, I didn't actually even compete on basketball in those games. I went to watch. Uh, okay. I did track and field. It was probably the first thing that I kind of attacked because everybody goes like, well, you're skinny and fast, you know, and <laughs> that's where you're going to do the best at the game. So I did track. And I won gold medal on the 100 and 200 okay. as a rookie at, at the novice division. But I was able to experience what basketball was. And that's when I decided, you know, this is pretty cool. I find in those games, I had the connections to go with the Puerto Rico basketball team and practice with them, with the team that we're trying to make that same year to go to the Pan Am Games in Mexico. Mm -hmm. And... I fell in love with the game. I tried and I made the last spot out of the 12 athletes that we're going to take. I made the 12th spot to get into the games, to go to the Pan Am Games in Mexico in 99. And so, so I obviously wanted to talk about basketball. I didn't know your track and field experience. So that's, that's cool to mm -hmm. learn. Yeah. And, and so that first pair of Pan Am Games in Mexico, um, how, how were you? Were you, were you, um, uh, a starter right away or were you a a, no. a bench warmer I, a bench warmer originally <laughs> yeah bench warmer i think i played like a total five minutes the whole tournament <laughs> um i was like i have pretty good speed but i didn't know much about the game i didn't know i thought that you just grab the ball and just push as fast as you can to score a basket and that was the kind of the experience i had but i was picked as number 12 because they could see that with my speed they could they could use something with it and they had like i have um some kind of potential using my speed and then eventually uh they started teaching me on okay you're not going to be a shooter you're not going to be a ball handler what you're really going to be is a picker you're going to pick people out you're gonna you see these shooters that we got these really good shooters you're going to try to make way and make um make a hole for them so they can get closer to the basket. And then when you're done with them, you're going to go and try to get our center inside <laughs> so he can be under the basket. And that's, you know, their points are your points. And I'm glad that I was coachable in that way to say, you know, I don't need to be the scorer. I don't need to be the ball handler. But if this is what's going to keep me in the national team, you know, I just got to work hard at it. So I came to the States to um, Orlando, Florida to play on the Orlando Magic Wheels and try to develop those skills so I can take back to Puerto Rico and then use it on the national team. You know, that's such an important lesson and in, 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 in thought that you just shared because so many people, right, want to be that score, want want to be the one with the ball, want to be the one that scores the points. And and as it is a team effort and you need all of these players, you know, with different skill sets uh, to contribute you know, in whatever way they can for a team. So I'm glad you, glad you picked that up too. And then learn, <laughs> learn that. And, and did, did, did that change over time or was that always your specialty? It became my specialty where I became the, the starter in that position as a, as a guard for many years. My, I ended up playing, I think it was like 17 years for Puerto Rico. And then on those 17, I went to, Four Parapanam games, two Americas Cups, 
and for Central uh, American Caribbean Championships. And on those Caribbean, Central American Caribbean Championships, we, we won medals on all four yeah. of those events. So you and your team, you know, did well and excelled uh, over those years. That's awesome. And uh, I know we were at an event with Matt Scott once, and he was talking mm-hmm. about you playing. So did you ever go up against him a few times? Uh, a few times. It's it was not a it's not an Orlando Perez story. It's more of a mascot story because they they would they would they would play run circles around us. But I think the good thing about Matt Scott and guys from the USA team, they're really good, but they're really um, gentleman like. They never let anything get too out of hand. And they even will actually even coach you while they play with you. So I thought that was really good. And playing against him here in the United States before he went to play professional in Europe too. Um, it's always good to know that, you know, like I said before, I me not trying to become the, the, the focus of the team, but part of the team kept me a long time in there and kept me playing um, competitive basketball where I got to meet people like Steve Sergio, Matt Scott, Paul Schulte and all those names that are like going to be immortal in wheelchair basketball. I got to play against and with and get to know them. And I think that was a blessing. And, and what was it for you about basketball? What did you like about that sport? I think I followed it a lot when I was little, when I was little, I would watch the Puerto, Puerto Rico produce really good boxers and really good baseball players and basketball players. Mm-hmm. And our basketball players don't turn out to be too many of the professionals, but when we play international, they tend to be really good. And I remember watching them at the Pan Am games and playing and then maybe the USA team and them going at it. And they're, they're doing so good being a small island and always resonated with me at those players. And I followed them in their club team in Puerto Rico and all that stuff that I thought basketball would be a good fit because I would watch the Puerto Rico national team play at the Olympics, at the Pan Am Games, at the Central American Championships. Every time they played, I was watching. And I think it was kind of more of looking back when I was a little kid and trying to make myself that person. Like, I wanted to be like Piccolino or T, like Quixote Morales, all those really good basketball players. And to me, I, I got to that level in the wheelchair, in the adaptive community. Mm-hmm. Yeah, indeed. <laughs> and, and so, Orlando, I, I think of, of Puerto Rico, obviously, as, as many of us do, sunny and beautiful and warm. So I have to ask, how did you get int- introduced to winter sports? <laughs> yeah, uh, in 2006, uh, in 2005, I got the um, Spirit of the Games Award at the National Veterans Wheelchair Games. So they asked me to go in 2006 to the winter sports clinic. As a, as a not athlete, but as a um, part of the event, and to mentor other newly injured veterans, so I I I went and I fell in love with skiing right away, but I didn't see it as a sport yet. All I saw was the recreational part of it. Mm-hmm. Throughout the years, going like once, uh, once a week, uh, a week a year, every year throughout the different programs, uh, like the ones Move United got has. Uh, I started noticing, oh, you can actually do this as a sport. Like there's actually ski racing. And I started like getting myself in the ski camps, even though I didn't even have a monoski. I I made like Scott Olson or 
one of those other coaches mm-hmm. say, hey, I'm going to go to the ski camp. Are you going to be there? Yeah, I'm gonna be. can you bring an extra monoski? Because I registered and I don't even have a monoski. And they would carry a monoski for me. And by 2017, when I knew I was retiring from basketball, around 2015, I knew 2017 was my last one in America's Cup. Okay. In Cali, Colombia, I was like, you know, I'm going to give this this a try because Scott Olson at the Ski Spectacular would always go like, Team Puerto Rico, because I would come with my basketball stuff, <laughs> with my Puerto Rico basketball stuff. He goes, Team Puerto Rico. And then he started making it as a, it, it wasn't a joke years prior, later. It became kind of like, hey, man, you can actually do this. Like, let's do Team Puerto Rico. And it became a thing. And by 2017, I decided to start competing and putting points for Puerto Rico at the IPC level and para-alpine level. And here we are. <laughs> Just kept going from there. So was it 2017 that you went to your first like race camp or? No, or... 2015, I moved to Utah, okay. trying to pursue more, more everyday skiing and all that stuff. And I joined the National Ability Center. Mm-hmm. That way I can meet more adaptive skiers and learn, you know, from the race team, learn their skills. And so I could make me a better skier. Not I wasn't lo- looking forward to be a racer at that point. But um, in 2017, the team had the Huntsman Cup, which is a local race here. And they were like, oh, you should at least race a local race and all that stuff. And I decided to do so. And I fell in love with it. Okay. <laughs> so it was with uh with the nac up in park city that you got kind of yeah your real start into some some racing and some uh, race camp type of activities yeah and then the the move united with their um ski camps and their um race camps i was able to participate in most of them which it gave me a lot of advantage and a lot of i, I was able to learn quicker Mm-hmm. Things that would have taken me years to learn on my own, um, my own money or my own research, it became easier with camps like the ones Move United have, and then the NAC putting them together. It was like information overload and a lot of information here, information there, and I got to ski with, you know, like like your uh, Move United's camps. We get the best coaches. So we get like Chris Young and. Guys mm-hmm. that have been there, done that, and they are innovators in our sport. And that's who I was learning from. And that was like really good advantage for me to keep pursuing that dream of, you know, doing like Will calls it like the the uh, cool runnings 2.0 and <laughs> trying to become, you know, become the first Puerto Rican to represent Puerto Rico at the Winter Paralympics in Beijing. Yeah, and I, I was going to that definitely was one of the questions I was going to ask. So was it 2017 where you thought maybe I can represent Puerto Rico in, in the Paralympics at some point in time? Yeah, it started, like I said before, like 2015-ish, 2016-ish, the ideas with Scott Olson and all that Mm -hmm. stuff started. But then it came about 2017 when I said, you know, I'm going to do this. This is, I'm going to commit to this. And I knew the commitment was hard and, the chance was so slim for this to happen that I don't know. It motivated me, and uh, the National Ability Center, going there and training there every day, and their facilities are so adaptive, uh, friendly, mm-hmm. and 
their their spirit in helping people are so adaptive friendly and <laughs> it, it just like i would it didn't feel like i was waking up at 5 5 30 in the morning to go ski as something that was dreading but i saw it as okay it's gonna happen it's gonna be fun today i'm gonna see basically they became what i call my ski fam like uh, it's just the people i saw every day talk to every day ski with every day so it became it became like a team and a family atmosphere that it motivated me to keep get going and doing it, so. It, and being in Salt Lake, there that Park City is only what, like an hour away or less? Like forty five minutes on a on a bad day. Okay, so yeah, you're so you're real close to a wonderful mountain and mm-hmm. a beautiful facility and program. That's awesome. And and so when did you realize that your dream be, would become a reality? That you would be able that that you are indeed. Uh, going to Beijing and competing at the Winter Paralympics. It was this past this past summer. Um, my points weren't quite there yet. I was still uh, my skills are still kind of not completely up to the to the top yet. But I got a call from Puerto Rico Paralympics and said, "We got you in the games. We got a bar pipe to get you in the in the Paralympic games," which was exciting. Um, and then all of a sudden, you know, work just became completely full time. Um, I have, uh, my, my awesome wife, she is, she has a certificate of, uh, physical trainer. So she mm-hmm. has her license. So basically she took over and said, okay, this summer, we're going to get you in the gym. <laughs> we're going to make a, uh, a, a game plan and we're going to find what's needed for you to get strong in your body. And you're, you're. You're really struggling in, in getting in that strong position with your high injury. And for you to be a part with everybody else, we got to get you stronger there. And she did the research. She did all the studies and she got me in the gym every day. So she all summer she made you work, huh? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I, I know you worked hard for that. And I know that in the mm-hmm. years that I've known you, uh, you've been working very hard towards that, that goal. And, and, uh, and, and making that dream a reality. Um, I know that obviously before the games, like right before the games, there was a little bit of an issue that I think many of us, I'm, me included, were worried about whether mm-hmm. you were going to get over there. Get over there. Can you talk a little bit about that and how that was, how that became a, a little bit of an issue, and then how it ultimately was resolved? Because I know that there's quite a campaign to make sure that you got to go. Yeah, it, it was a roller coaster there at the end. Um, we were just like probably like two and a half weeks away when they were, I noticed they were having problems registering me for the event. And we have, we had everything. We had our, our um, cards and everything for the village. We had absolutely everything. <laughs> but when they were going to race into the race, they had noticed that we were missing a paper that if you didn't have the full points, it's going to ask him for a wild card kind of a thing. It's called a bar part type. Okay. And we failed apparently to put in that that letter on time. It, it apparently completely works different than what they had done before for Rico Paralympics. And so there was a confusion there. So then it got to the point with like a week and a half to go, they said, you, you know, we, we regret to tell you where you can't go. Mm-hmm. And it hit me hard, it, you know, like, oh, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> it, it was a lot of, 
emotional tears and 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 my mind just literally just went on a on a dawn that I wasn't even feeling. It was kind of numb. Uh-huh. And I'm glad my every the team that was working on getting me there decided just to work on steroids, work hard. Uh-huh. And I had my wife making letters. Uh, my coach started a petition. And it happened that when that she was doing the letter and the coach was doing the petition, the petition was going really fast. It was g- gaining a lot of momentum. And from athletes from around the world that I didn't even know that are mm. part of the of the of the circuit. And I had to meet, I, I was going to the VA to meet the secretary of veteran affairs. Mm. And it was something scheduled. So I went, I just, you know, put my happy face uh-huh. and go, you know, it's it's not his fault that, you know, this whole happened. But when I'm there talking and saying hi, you know, he, it was me and another athlete that was invited so they to talk about our recreational programming in, in sports. And when I get introduced to the Secretary of Veteran Affairs, he asked, they say, hey, Orlando should be living here in four days to Beijing, but this happened. He asked me for information and I want to see the petition. I want to see the letter you guys got. Let me see what I can do. Huh. At this point, what did it? Was it the petition? Was it the, the, the connection of everything? The, the stars aligning? Uh, two days later, I get a you're, you're back in. And that's awesome. We got back in. And then, but then at that point, we they have already returned my plane tickets. And because of the conflict happening, the, the conflict happening, the borders were closed where you couldn't buy, you couldn't just go buy a plane ticket to go to China. Yeah, I could see that. Yeah. So then the emotions were like, we're going to Beijing, you know, the yeah. little video to like, oh no, we can't find a plane ticket to go back to China. But again, our team with my wife, the do- the team doctor, Puerto Paralympics, my coach, my wife finds this this charter flight in in Vancouver that was going. It was only for Paralympic athletes or Paralympic personnel. She found this Vancouver flight and we got in it. It was crazy because we finally got our tickets like a day before we were supposed to leave. Mm-hmm. And with tight schedules, me being in the wheelchair. Um, for those that don't know, you're the first one in the plane, like you always see people with disabilities, but we are mm-hmm. the last ones to get out. So if it's a big plane and it takes half an hour to deplane, it's like a 45 minute deplaning time for me. Mm-hmm. Because by the time everybody deplanes, they bring the seat, they get me out of the seat, switch me to my wheelchair. So our connection times, we basically made them on time, every single one of them. So I think just the stars align. Uh, I think uh, the good vibes and energy that I was getting from everywhere were not letting us give up. Exactly. Yeah. And and like you said, it was a roller coaster indeed, right? Up, down, mm-hmm. up, down, up, down. And and so let's talk about just the experience of being there and and obviously competing at the Paralympics. Uh, what what was rushing through and going through your mind and and your thoughts 
I think it didn't hit me and Coach Hillary until we were on the plane to Beijing. At that mm-hmm. point, we were like, anything can happen. <laughs> right at this point, <laughs> we just, what's going to happen next? Anything can happen. But when we got on that plane, we just hugged and we were like excited. We're like, all right, we're going to Beijing no matter what. We will be in Beijing. We can solve it there. The idea was getting there. And once we landed in Beijing and we just kept saying all the signs because you go through the airport, the airport was closed, but they still had all the memorabilia for, for the games and like all the signs and the characters and everything. And it was just starting to sink in, kind of like we are like at the Beijing Paralympics, you know? And she, my coach, Hillary, um, she she has worked at the ski spec as one of the coaches. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And as a guide, blind guide. She's been involved with ski racing since she was a little girl. So mm-hmm. for her, I did I, I was thinking the emotion for me, and this is working for me as an athlete to get there, but seeing my coach, her eyes just bling really big and her smile get tough kind of like I could see how important it was for her too yeah exactly and ah uh, it, it was amazing just just being in Beijing being in the village just we we, we hugged so many times it was kind of like <laughs> we couldn't believe we were there and and uh, did you how did you fare did you did you fare as well as you had hoped had thought um the, you know what was that what was that result for you well, before the result got into the opening ceremonies, mm-hmm. I started feeling like when I was uh, carrying the flag in and they say Puerto Rico. And that's right. I didn't even think to ask you about being a flag bearer because that's a yeah. big deal. <laughs> I think I got this big emotion and this big self of pride and responsibility that I went from being nervous to use a complete, complete mellow. I knew that my training at that moment, when I was pushing, it's like, you know, I I got the responsibility to present well, but I've done five, almost five years of training. I've been putting my life and my body on the line. Mm -hmm. Scars on my face, broken shoulders, surgeries on the shoulders just to get here. There's nothing I have to be worried about. And right after that amazing opening ceremonies and, and be able to carry the flag, we just got ready every day going to the mountain to train. Uh, we never trained on the same ratio. It was a little bit less steep. But once I got to the competition itself, I felt amazing. Like I felt I felt comfortable. I felt ready, not nervous. I got to the um to the gate the start gate and then all of a sudden it was kind of like okay i can't see the first game i can't see the first game i kept moving forward and literally it was a drop <laughs> oh my I've, I've, I've never seen a drop that hot, that that steep and that long on a race course before but like like we were talking about like my mind didn't go to desperation maybe all those things that happened prior to get me to paralympics was like a little test to get my getting like nothing's going to fade me on this race so i just looked at that first gate and say okay if i can complete this first turn i'll I'll be all right and watching the olympics 
how many DNFs, people falling with two gates, mm -hmm. just yeah. starting out with two gates. Like we have the best in the world following within five gates and at the Olympics. It, it was more of like focusing, get that first turn, 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 and you'll be fine. And I got farther than I thought I would get. I got <laughs> I got with, within four gates to finish the, the, the first race. And when I was, when I fell, all I could just look, I looked at the camera and there was a guy from the TV and all I had to do is wave. I, I don't know if you saw it. I waved uh -huh. at the camera with my outrigger. I was happy. I was excited. I was happy. I, I was, I thought I would feel disappointed on a, on a DNF, but at that moment I said, you know, I just set my goal. Like my goal was never say, you know, I'm going to come home with a gold medal my home is I'm going to be at the Paralympics and be the first Puerto Rican to do so. And at that moment, I knew it was over, but I have completed my goal and my objective. And I, I did it with pride. I did it with as, as strong as I could. And I did it, you know, I, I did the right thing to get there. And, yeah. and I was happy. And, and as you said, there were a lot of DNF. That course was an interesting course and a, and a rough course in, in terms of just a lot of DNFs. And and I and, and I wanted to I wanted to ask in terms of it being such a historic moment, being the first winter Paralympian from Puerto Rico, what do you think that will what do you think your um just the, the fact that you've done that will will encourage or inspire others from Puerto Rico to uh to do the, to follow in your footsteps? Um I got projects in my mind that I, I want to put together to help Puerto Rico get more individuals out there. I actually have spoken to a couple of Puerto Ricans that want to want to try. They've, they've done other sports and not being able to get to that point to make the Paralympic Games. And they saw that this could be another avenue for them. And hopefully, eventually, we'll have a big delegation. And uh for example um move united knew about my story and my journey and and i was awarded the the kurt bauer award and mm -hmm. that that had that set in a lot of of the last steps that we were kind of figure out how are we going to pay for all this how like we're almost there and we're shorthanded and then organizations that that will help other veterans and help individuals. I think that's where I'm going to have to put my expertise on finding these athletes and finding the, the resources to get those athletes. It's not a cheap sport. Um, I think that's where my legacy will happen. It's the first Puerto Rican, but the guy that just kept going and helped others get there. Like I would like not to be the first and only, I want to be the first of many, many, great puerto ricans and eventually may even help make a gold medal puerto rican gold medalist for the future yeah i like that not not being the first and only but the first of many that's awesome mm -hmm. and, and uh, now that you can put the ply behind your name and that you are a paralympian uh what is next for you orlando oh i don't know like i just got i got home and i told marcy i need a break for example, I need, <laughs> I need a break. I, it's, it, it was five years trying to chase this Paralympic winter game dream. But when you add them all together, it was 22 years 
yeah. of me chasing the Paralympic dream and didn't stop. Like I went straight from basketball to having this dream over here straight right away. And yeah, I need it at least this summer. And exactly. But I don't want to You're, be you're entitled. You're, you're entitled to, <laughs> to a summer, right? <laughs> yes. So after this summer, I, I just want to get back in, into training a little bit and trying to determine how we're going to find more Paralympians for the next Paralympic cycle. And other, another thing is just to let other people know, share my story, because I want people to just not know it's about skiing. It's, it's about anything in life. Like I've done something that nobody ever has done before. I set my eyes on it. I set my goals. I advocated for myself and others. And I think that's what got me here. And I want to keep doing that for others. I want to show people that you have to advocate for yourself. You have to move. You have to make sure that you find the avenues within that, that are close to you and the programs that are close to you and take advantage of them because that's what they're there for. They're there to help you set goals. And today I'm a Paralympian. Tomorrow I'll probably be a professional. Uh, in life, in, in, in getting my profession and then helping others move on, not just in sport, but to get their professional and become people in the community with importance, not just a person that needs the help to get mentally and physically better and rehabilitated, but the person that now advocates for others to get mentally and physically rehabilitated. Yeah, and I know you've you've always done that, and you and you continue to do that. And one, as, if nothing else, as a moving United Warfighters ambassador, I know you've you've done that with in terms of engaging and encouraging others. Well, Orlando, is there anything else you'd like to say that we've not mentioned or talked about? I want to say thank you to Move United and and you guys, Sean. You 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 guys's motivation push make dreams come true. And and I'm not just saying that because I'm speaking to you, but for for over five years, you guys always told me whatever you need, Orlando, we're here for. And I'm not shy to ask. <laughs> and you guys have always, always delivered. You guys save lives. You guys made lives of uh, dreams come true. And, you know, like this is something that you guys know that it's um, I make history for Puerto Rico, but you guys are part of it, too. Everybody that from Newcomb United that, that did anything for for me or for any other the U.S. athletes and that went, you guys are saving lives and uh, I really appreciate you guys for it and and I want you guys to know the importance of what you do to make things like we were able to accomplish happen. Well, that's awesome. Thank you, Orlando. <laughs> Thank you.